From Grangeville to Lapway, we've got your District 2 breakdown right here on the Palouse PrepCast with Garrison Hardy. That's right. It's another edition of the Palouse PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down everything that's going on in District 2 in the state of Idaho. The uh, Palouse PrepCast is now brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health. So thanks to our new sponsor. I'm Brandon Bainey. The gentleman uh, staring at me into the camera is uh, Garrison Hardy. Garrison, uh, what's going on? How has your week been so far? It's been fantastic thus far. Uh, The weather up here in Moscow has gotten very cold, however. Uh, But then again, as I've mentioned before on other shows, uh, as a ginger, this is my time of year. It's time to thrive. Let's go, baby. (laughs) Yeah, you were at, uh, we'll talk more about the game specifically uh, in a little bit as we run it down, but you were at Logos on Saturday for their game against Clearwater. It looked like it was a really good time. It was what, their 40th birthday? That's correct. Uh, it was Logos's 40th uh, anniversary since its founding. And uh, after the game was over, they had a fried chicken picnic, which I mean, my gosh, that's fantastic. And then uh, they also had a concert. Uh, they had numerous speakers lined up. They had uh, a, a local business here in town, Willowburger, who, by the way, gives us burgers every time we go out there for free. So uh, it, it was just a great time. And there were uh, there was a good bit of people out there for after the game just showing up for that event. So all in all, it was a great crowd, uh, great atmosphere, and uh, Logos has a foundation for stuff going forward. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I didn't even realize it had been 40 years. That's, that's right. a good benchmark. Absolutely. A lot of history. Uh, and you and I have talked before a lot of history for past uh, for other sports like cross country, basketball, stuff of that nature, even lacrosse. Uh, so there's a lot of excitement around the football team. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll get to what happened uh, to Logos in just a little bit, but I think we have to start the conversation with that wild back and forth overtime shootout between Sandpoint and Lewiston. The Bulldogs win by one 42 to 41 in overtime in the process handing the Bengals their first loss of the season, but man, what a game. Oh, what a fantastic game. This, the, you know, you and I've, I've gotten the chance to watch Lewiston numerous times throughout the season, and their offense has been on a tear. It looked no different in that game, of course. Uh, unfortunately, it just so happened they put up one less point than Sandpoint. We knew going into that game that uh, it was going to be a tough contest for both of these teams, uh, and it, it, there was no separation between them back and forth throughout um, and it just so happened that Sandpoint uh, got the edge at the very end. But what a wild contest. I would have loved to see that. Yeah, uh, and in fact, Lewiston, I mean, had a two-score lead in the second half. You know, they were up 34-21, to 21 and Sandpoint came roaring back. They've got a great junior quarterback, Parker Pettit. He threw a 69-yard touchdown pass to uh, All-State running back Garrett Cox, and then uh, so that made it 34-27. to 27. And then uh, they scored again late in regulation on a one-yard quarterback sneak to tie the game at 34. And so Lewiston, uh, you would think going to overtime, wouldn't have the momentum. But the Bengals in overtime score on their opening possession, right? Jace McCarcher throws a four-yard touchdown pass to James White, who was all over this game. That's a guy we haven't mm-hmm. talked about too much this year, James White. He's he's a great, uh, versatile player on that Bengals offense. And so Lewiston jumps in front 41-34. Could the Bengals get one more stop? They couldn't. Sandpoint scored in their 
overtime possession. Pettit found Max Frank for a six-yard touchdown, and then uh, Bulldogs going for two. Right? This it's a big gamble, Garrison. You go for two and you get it. You're you're the hero. You don't get it. And you can ask Blackfoot about this. Blackfoot has three losses this year. Two of them have come because they've decided to go for two in the win, and they haven't gotten it. So uh, Sandpoint gets the two-point conversion as Pettit uh, hooked up with Ari Vandenberg. And so to the winner go the spoils. But Lewiston has nothing to be disappointed about from that game. Not at all. No, that it, both are uh, just a well hard fought game between two solid football teams at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, it just so happened that Sandpoint, I think the coaching staff did a fantastic job of reading the momentum of that game and realizing that they had the opportunity to go ahead and punch it in and go for the win. Gutsy call, but a smart call. I think it, it kind of reminds me of the, the Boise state versus Oklahoma scenario where Coach Peterson just read that situation and decided, you know what, we're going to send it. Let's go for it right now for the win. And I like it because with a talented team like Lewiston, with all those weapons you mentioned, McArcher, um, Cruz Hepburn, James White, uh, Taylor, Elliot Taylor, there's just so many options on that team. Uh, Jared Jelinek, oh, I can't forget to leave him out. There's so many options and weapons on that team that uh, it, the longer you allow a game with them to go on, uh, the more opportunities they're going to have to cause some damage. So from Sandpoint's view, I thought that was a really smart call. But again, like you mentioned, Lewiston has no reason to hang their heads about that. Great game. On to the next one, which, by the way, is another uh, team out of Sandpoint's conference, Moscow. That's right. So I guess the the one question for Lewiston coming out of this game, and I love the comparison you made to that Fiesta Bowl between mm-hmm. Boise State and Oklahoma, because that that is exactly what it kind of reminded me of. Um, so the big question, I guess, for Lewiston is when you've got a 34 to 21 lead in the second half, how do you next time close the game out? You know, every game they've been in so far, they've kind of run away from the opposition. They haven't, they haven't really had a close game yet where they've had to learn how to make plays in tight situations. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward. If Lewiston's in another close contest, you know, will they be able to close it out? Will they be able to, to burn that clock? I think they had some short possessions, which allowed Sandpoint to kind of rally back and get their feet under them. But right. Well, first you got to, like you said, you got to give credit to Sandpoint's defense for bowing up and making those key stops there and those key possessions. However, from Lewiston's standpoint, it's, it's really kind of tough when you're in a fast paced offense that wants to be on the ball and get the next playoff within the next eight to 10 seconds. Once you're lined up, it's kind of tough to shift mentality to, okay, maybe we should slow down because <laughs> in practice, they're probably drilling. Uh, you know, we got to stay fast. The whole practice is predicated on speed and they're just practicing that throughout their defense is going against that throughout. So to suddenly grind that to a halt when you have the lead and the advantage and you want to use time to your advantage, it's, it's really hard to shift out of that mentality of go, go, go. Uh, and you know, that's something coach pan I'm sure is already thinking about is okay. How can we close down these leads, especially as games against some tough competition comes up with conference coming uh, conference games coming up here in the near future. So uh, for, I guess that it's really up to the coaching staff to preach. Okay. When we've got this advantage, composure needs to come into the forefront here. Uh, Just focus on one play at a time, moving the ball forward a little bit and keeping that clock rolling. First downs are key. 
So every, every play needs to be smart, well-designed, which Coach Pancari does a great job of that, he and his offensive coordinator. Um, and then they just need to go out and execute um, with maybe a little bit more caution. But again, Sandpoint did a great job of uh, coming up with big plays when they needed it. Absolutely. And so, as you mentioned, uh, for Lewiston, uh, now they turn around and take on Moscow in the great rivalry game there between Inland Empire League teams. Of course, Lewiston 5A, Moscow 4A. Moscow had a tough game Friday night. They had to travel uh, to Lake City to play the Timberwolves, another 5A program out of Coeur d'Alene. Uh, they fell 26 to 14. And, and, you know, the turnovers is what really hurt Moscow in this game. Leon Hutton at quarterback, 18 of 34 for 169 yards, but he threw four interceptions, including two to all state safety, Josiah Weaver. So for Moscow, it's Garrison. I'm having a hard time figuring out this team because you look at their, their two wins this year and they were dominant over a pair of Washington schools, right? Uh, mm-hmm. 40 to 33 over Clarkston and then 47 to seven over Pullman. And then they, they also beat Grangeville, but that was pretty low scoring 16 to eight. And so you look at three of their games, 16 points against Grangeville, 16 points in a loss to Timberlake and then 12 points in a loss to Lake city. It seems like the offense is there. And then all of a sudden there's times where they really struggle. Yeah. Uh, the, the only consolation I can think of is that their defense has always showed up, you know, maybe not enough in some cases as they suffered some losses that, that, that is what it is, especially when they run into good teams, but their defense has been quite impressive throughout this uh, first half of the season here. But you're right. The, the offense has really surprised me and we knew there was going to be a transition period, especially when they have a brand new quarterback coming into play, but he had numerous weapons surrounding him. Uh, and uh, veteran weapons as well. So, uh, but that being said, offense is always harder uh, and usually is the one that has to catch up to the defense uh, early on in the season. And uh, now the thing to take into consideration is one of those wins against Pullman. Pullman has looked terrible this season. So, you know, as impressive as Moscow was going out and putting up, putting up the points, and finishing the job, uh, we got to take that into consideration too. Uh, Lake City is a talented team, uh, and defensively they did a great job. So for Moscow, as they look ahead to Lewiston, that defense better show up ready to go uh, because uh, Lewiston's defense isn't going to slouch either. So uh, Moscow are a tough task, unfortunately. But last year they got the win against Lewiston. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how each of these two teams match up. Yeah, so it's going to be, I think it's nice that Lewiston had that close nail biter with Sandpoint, right? Because Moscow has been in a lot of a lot of close one-score games this year, it seems like. And so Moscow's battle-tested. Lewiston is finally battle-tested coming off of a loss. I think this is setting up very badly for Moscow. If I'm, if I'm being honest here, Lewiston has looked very good this year, an explosive offense. They're probably pretty angry after losing at Sandpoint. That's a game they probably thought they could have had. And I think Moscow is walking into a buzzsaw. That's me personally. I don't know how you see it, but no, I a hundred percent see where you're coming from. And I, 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 as the play by play guy, you know, we have to be neutral, but at the same time, a defense typically can only hang on for so long, at least in high school football. You know, there may be some dominant college or NFL defenses that can just grind a game to a halt. But on the high school level, a good offense is typically going to be a good defense. And with Lewiston, they've got a great offense and nobody has really figured them out yet. 
So Moscow's defense, I assume, is going to be able to hang with it for a while. But Lewiston, they just keep coming at you in waves and waves every single play. You make a good stop on uh, maybe you force a, a, a loss of yards on one play. They're right back to the line of scrimmage, setting up for the next play, ready to come at you in another way. Uh, hand it off to somebody else or throw a quick screen pass, or maybe they're throwing a slant route over the top. They're just mixing it up constantly, and they've got weapons all over the field. So uh, for Moscow, it, you're right. I think they have a tough task in front of them, especially if the offense doesn't show up or it has been inconsistent like it has all season. Yeah, and one last thing. Uh, this is a game that we will have for you on IdahoSports.com. We will have video coverage Friday night as uh, Moscow travels to Lewiston. One last thing about Lewiston I want to mention, because we don't talk about it all the time, right? We talk about all these skill guys they have and the great talent they have. That offensive line is tremendous. And 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 a lot and same thing on the defensive side. Lewiston's defensive line is imposing. And I think right. a lot of their success this year has come from the trenches. As somebody who has seen Lewiston uh, a couple of times up close and in person, can you, can you kind of describe what – this group of linemen is like I, I think it's a really underreported story 100 percent. and uh, my co-host jason hansen's probably pulling his hair out watching this and you never talk about the linemen <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh, the reason that lewiston's running attack has been so effective of course it's great to have cruz hatburn back 100 but he wouldn't be able to do what he's been able to do were it not for this offensive line creating the holes and separation that it has been. On top of that, they've provided Jace McCarcher with a ton of time when he's dropping back to pass, or even if he does have to scramble, they're working hard to pursue the play and make sure they're protecting their quarterback uh, by any means necessary. And on top of that, they don't make many mistakes. I can't, uh, there haven't been many penalties against them this season that I can think of. Uh, so it, it's a, it's a well-disciplined offensive line. And then when you flip it over to the defensive line, they are consistently pressuring the opposing quarterback or just in the backfield in general. So when the other team's looking to make a handoff, you can find a purple shirt somewhere in the backfield. When the quarterback's dropping back to pass, there are hands up on the defensive line. So maybe they're covering up passing lanes or they are blitzing linebackers in from the side because the defensive line has been such a problem that they have extra blockers there to help. And next thing you know, linebackers are coming in from all sorts of different gaps, whether it be the A, a gap, B gap, C gap, whatever. Uh, they are uh, the, the off the, the lines free up this to do what they do. And that has been such an important part to this uh, Lewiston attack. And yeah, like you said, they don't get enough credit. Uh, and they have been truly one of the foundations of Lewiston's success this season. Absolutely. So Moscow at Lewiston, Friday night, 7 o'clock on IdahoSports.com with Garrison Hardy and Jason Hansen. It's going to be a great time. So let's move on to the 2A CIL Central Idaho League quickly. How about Orofino getting their first win of the season, traveling to Marcin? I, I, you know, I said on last week's prep cast that this was going to be a very winnable game for Orofino. Marcin is a team that is really struggling. Uh, they had one win coming in. Orofino was winless, but I thought the Maniacs were definitely the better team in this matchup, and they proved it in a 31 to nothing shutout. It's nice to see Orofino get off the schneid. Oh, 100%. Just such a great feeling for that program. You know, we talked about how their entire conference was shut down because of COVID last year. They only got to play one game. 
So they lost all that potential game experience for those players and then had to come into this season with a little bit of uncertainty. I don't think people realize how valuable game time is for whether it be for a young player or a veteran. So to lose seven or eight games off of a schedule just in the drop of a hat, uh, it, that that was really tough on that program. So to see all that hard work and the the persistence, the perseverance rather, uh, of this program to come back out and get that win, that's got to be such a good feeling for those players. And I, I couldn't be more happy for them. Absolutely. And for Grangeville, their hard season continues as they played an undefeated Kellogg team, but they actually hung pretty tough with the Wildcats. They did lose 33 to 21. Grangeville is now one in four overall. But again, we've talked about their strength of schedule is off the charts and they're just kind of looking ahead to the conference play. If we can win the league, then it doesn't matter what our win loss record is. But Grangeville is a team that is getting better and you can't look at just their record, but. That's right. And this is, again, a program with a lot of tradition and history to it. So they want to they kind of remind me uh, from the if I'm looking at the collegiate version, they remind me of a Fresno State or BYU. They don't care who you are. They are going to schedule you and they're going to try to punch above their weight if they need to. And they have numerous times, by the way. Uh, They consistently beat some of these bigger schools in the past. This year, it just hasn't gone their way. Uh, But they have that same tough mentality. And like you said, the back end of their schedule is really where it gets interesting and where it's important. If they're able to win their conference, they can sneak in with a less than appealing record to to some people, but they can absolutely get in if they take care of business on the conference side of things. And maybe, you know, if they're able to bounce back at some point throughout the rest of the season, pick up another win too, that only bolsters their case. Their strength of schedule is, like you said, off the charts. I mean, some of the matchups they've had to take on are brutal. So uh, the the selection committee is going to consider that uh, as the season moves forward. Yeah, and I should mention Orofino's schedule has been pretty tough as well. Uh, the game against Marcin was their first game against a 2A opponent this year. They've had three 3A opponents besides that. What's going to be interesting as we get closer towards the end game of the season here, Garrison, is St. Mary's is once again, this happened last fall, and it has happened again this year, where they are they are on hiatus because of COVID-19. They are in remote learning, and uh, their athletic director, Todd Gilkey, told us that all activities at St. Mary's High School are canceled until October 11th, at least. So that is, you know, you're looking at at least two weeks where St. Mary's is not going to be competing and it's going to cause a crunch in the schedule. And I'm not sure how they're going to figure that out yet because it's a three-team league, which means you need three weeks for everybody to play each other, right? And St. Mary's was scheduled to play Grangeville on October 8th. Well, they're, they're not going to be able to play until at least the 11th but Grangeville has games to fill those last two weeks so it's it's going to be interesting to see how they figure that out but it looks like we could be headed towards another headache in the 2A CIL just like last year yeah and you know the the schools will get resourceful if they need to I'm sure Uh, in the end kids want to play so if an athlete athletic director from another school is uh, a similar situation, especially uh, I kind of thought this might happen as we head towards the winter and colder season is that, that cases would just 
start appearing. You know, I, I thought that might happen. So we may see some cancellations here and there. Uh, that being said, I think the schools are going to be a little bit more individual in some of their decision making. So maybe they'll be able to piece something else together or something like that. Uh, in the end, the kids and the coaches will want to play. Uh, so I, I I don't I, I don't foresee of a headache as it was in years in last year, but all in all, uh, you're right. This could get really interesting here in the coming weeks uh, as we continue to move on into the season. I'm just glad I'm not one of those athletic directors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't uh, honestly right now I don't envy anybody that's in the education field, teachers, athletic directors. Um, it's really hard for them right now because no matter what decision they make, somebody, somebody is going to be upset with them. And so there's just right. no way to win, which is unfortunate. So, right. Yeah. So. Anyways, uh, we will move on to the one, a ranks, tell you what happened in the white pine league. Uh, but first let's step aside and take a break. We'll hear from our sponsor here on the police prep cast, the Idaho division of public health. That was a good transition. I feel like talking about. St. Mary's having uh, school closures because of illness. And now let's hear from the Idaho Division of Public Health. And we'll be right back here on the Palouse PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. It's time to start planning for back to school. That's why I got my kids vaccinated for COVID-19. Kids 12 and older can get vaccinated. The vaccines have been researched and tested. They're safe and they work. And I hope everyone will choose to get vaccinated too. Welcome back to the Palouse Prep Cast. I'm Brandon Bainey. He's Garrison Hardy. Let's, let's dive into the White Pine League. Let's start at the one e one level. Let's, let's start with the game you were at on Saturday as Logos hosted Clearwater Valley. CB came in with an 0-3 record, but those three losses were to Raft River, Prairie, Genesee, three teams that were ranked in the top five this past week. And boy, <laughs> the Rams had a lot of pent up aggression, I feel like. And they took, they took it to them in an 82 to 44 win. What did you see? Oh, yeah. And that was the, that was the biggest avalanche of points I have ever seen in a half 54 points in the second half. Uh, and folks, let me tell you, that scoreline is deceiving. All right. And throughout the first half, Logos led numerous times. It was a back and forth game. Both offenses were humming. Uh, both defenses were just trying to catch their breath and wondering what the heck is going on. <laughs> um, it, it was an incredibly entertaining game. Jason and I had a blast. But then I spoke to Coach Holloway at church, actually, uh, just said, you know, the it, we came out incredibly flat in the second half. There's no other way to put it. And Clearwater Valley came out really bad, wanting to finish on a strong note and get that first win of the season. And you touched on that. Uh, it, Clearwater Valley, 0-3. Logos was 1-3 coming to that. Both teams on three-game losing streaks, and one of those streaks had to end. That was the theme coming into that game. And Clearwater Valley, they had the talent. We, You and I talked about that earlier in the season. Both Everybody had them kind of in the top conversation when it came to the White Pine League. So, you know, Clearwater Valley came in, executed in the second half. They worked hard. They wanted it. They played good, hard football. Uh, the IdahoSports.com player of the game, uh, Anthony Fabi, boy, did he have a great second half uh, quarterback for Clearwater Valley. Yeah. So, like you said, it was kind of deceiving because Logos did hang tough for a half. And then it, it, it's hard when you've got all these, this excitement and buzz around. You know, there was stuff going on besides the football game, right? The 40 year anniversary celebration. How, how hard is it as, as a player? 
to, you know, every school has homecoming and senior night and those things, but how hard is it to block out those kind of distractions when there's, there's an event, you know, beyond the football game that's happening? You know, uh, for, for a lot of players, I don't think it's that big of a deal. That being said, because this is Logos's first ever year of varsity football, and as I talked to uh, assistant coach J.C. Christensen and Nick Holloway at church, some of these kids with Logos have never even watched a football game before. They just don't. They're that inexperienced when it comes to the sport in general. So when you throw in something like the 40th year anniversary, a concert, uh, a big, a big crowd showing up in attendance, uh, you know, a lot of influential people within the Logos community were there too. Uh, so when you throw that kind of pressure in on top of it for kids who have never even watched a game of football before um, it, that, that I could a hundred percent see that uh, playing into maybe the distraction in the second half. Uh, and, and they just don't know how to necessarily finish a game out yet, uh, according to coach Holloway. So, uh, and we definitely saw that. Uh, whereas Clearwater Valley, they have the discipline. They've been in those tough games. Uh, they've been in some heart. have the talent to finish those games out. Logos, I think they'll be there, but uh, it, that was not their day. Yeah, and it was not Genesee's day either. I think that was probably the other really surprising right. result from, from the weekend's action in the White Pine League. Lapway just ran past Genesee 70-36. to 36. Both teams are now 3-1, and one, but Lapway is 3-0 and oh in the league, and Genesee is 3-1 mm -hmm. and one in the White Pine Jason and I were talking about that score during the game. That probably surprised us the most out of anything we had seen. Genesee, uh, they looked incredibly solid throughout the season thus far, and they beat some pretty quality opponents, including Clearwater Valley. So to see that score this year out, obviously, um, from from my understanding, did he play in that game? I I, I know he had missed the game prior. And so I'm prior. OK, so Titus year out, uh, obviously paying dividends uh, and it just goes to show athlete or Lapway has athletes and always will. They work hard. They play hard. The coaches there are smart and intelligent. They know how to set their team up for success. Uh, but, yeah, I was blown away by that blowout. You know, I, I full. I fully expected Genesee there towards the end, uh, but all credit goes to Lapway there, just going out and finishing the job. And suddenly a team that nobody really talked about early on in the season as being a contender, uh, suddenly I could very well see them matching up pretty solidly with Prairie. Uh, you know, this Prairie team, uh, they, they've lost a lot of weapons from years past, and they've been impressive thus far. But I really think once we'll see what Prairie's made of when they run into Lapway. I think that's going to be the matchup that uh, we're all going to be keeping an eye on going forward here in the White Pine. Yeah, that, that Lapway game was impressive. 521 total yards of offense for the Wildcats. Titus Yearout did play, and he threw one, two, three touchdowns in that victory. And he had a touch, touchdown run as well. And like you said, uh, the score can be deceiving. It was 14-14 after one quarter of play, but in the second quarter, Lapway outscored Genesee 28-8. to And from there, the race was on. So, right, yeah, if we look at the White Pine standings, Prairie is 3-0. Lapway is also 3-0. Prairie last week 
played potlatch and won 64 to 28. Nothing too surprising there. And then the other uh, the other interesting game was Kamii taking on Troy. And uh, Kamii is a team that we think could be a sleeper. And they made enough plays to win 28 to 20. And so Kamii is now two and one on the season and two and one in the white pine league, only a half game behind Genesee. So, so the, so the standings look like this, it's Prairie and, and Lapway, both three and oh Genesee in third right now, three and one Kamii is fourth at two and one. And then you've got potlatch and Clearwater Valley each one and two. That top six is pretty, pretty talented top to bottom. It's, it's going to be interesting to see. Absolutely. I look for I look for Clearwater Valley to start carving their way back into that deficit that they find themselves in. They just they do have the talent. It's just been a rough start to the season. And uh, that win against Logos was a good way to get the ship heading in the right direction. Uh, again, I think it, the big one is going to come down to Prairie and Lapway. Kamii. Yeah, we, we, know, we don't know. I, I think uh, as somebody who's never had the uh, the fortune of covering them, uh, I, I think they could very well sneak in. Uh, that's just the exciting thing about white pine football and high school football in general. That's why none of this is played on paper. Yeah, you know, we, we the the experts uh, can come in and make our predictions and whatnot, and uh, the kids will go out and write the story instead. And we've seen that throughout this season thus far. I'm excited to see as these games continue to move along where the chips are going to start falling and piling up uh in the past but uh we could maybe we see the winds of change here uh for lapway or uh, maybe even another team sneaks up into the conversation genesee i think is still a threat even though they got uh, punched on the nose there we'll see what they're made of uh in the next week you know if they have a chance to respond and get back on the right track so still a lot of good football left ahead of us yeah uh cameo has got a lot of good guys that um we're part of that baseball team last year. They got to state for the first time since 2002. Uh, Willis Williamson is a great uh, running back. Uh, Brady Cox is a good player. David Clute is uh, the quarterback for Kamii, and he's looked pretty sharp as well. So, yeah, you can never count out those Kamii Cubs. Um, and so if we look at the White Pine League schedule for this week, uh, it sets up to be pretty interesting. Prairie is at Kamii. I guess we're going to find out real quick how good Kamii is, right? Posting <laughs> right. Prairie. And that that one two backfield of uh, Brody Hasselstrom and and TJ Hibbard that is, that is a tough one two combo to stop in the backfield. Uh, clear here's another good game: Clearwater Valley at Lapway. Is this mm. you said CB is going to start punching their way up the standings? That this is the prime opportunity to take out a team that's uh, undefeated in the league. How what a result that would be! Oh, 100 percent. You know, and uh, Clearwater Valley Lapway has athletes, obviously, but so does Clearwater Valley. Uh, Dylan Pickering is one that jumps to mind as a as a guy who uh, has the ability to make a difference both on the. Offense and the defensive side, uh, there were Logos just couldn't tackle him. He's that powerful coming out of the backfield. And then Anthony Fabi at quarterback, he's he's pretty darn mobile himself when in comparison to Titus Yearout. So uh, both of these teams have kind of a the athletes and different in the similar spots. So I'm not sure how many points they'll be putting up, but maybe it looks like a basketball score. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. The other one uh, AD one White Pine games. Genesee at Troy, good opportunity for the Bulldogs to bounce back. And then Logos at Potlatch. I think this is a game that Logos mm -hmm. uh, has a great chance to maybe get in that first conference win of the season against a Potlatch team that came out hot and then has cooled off a little bit. So, 
Yeah. Right. You know, uh, Potlatch certainly has some great players. Uh, one that jumps to mind, Isaac, IdahoSports.com player of the game when we covered Potlatch versus Deary. Uh, and then Logos, you know, they have their own athletes and Solomon Howard and, uh, um, well, uh, Aiden Elmore. That's what I was going to say. There we go. Uh, so Logos has their own athletes, too. So, you know, even though the records may not be as polished as some of the more uh, powerful and established teams, they still got some good kids out there that can go out and make plays. And uh, you're right. I think if Logos wants to pick up a win uh, in conference, uh, this would be a good one to jump on, uh, as well as Troy, maybe down the road. Yeah. And now uh, if we take a look at finally the 1AD2 White Pine League, uh, I said a couple of weeks ago that I thought Lewis County was the second best team in the league. I thought with Deary being down a little bit and, and Timberline still building its program back up after a little hiatus, I thought this was Lewis County's opportunity to kind of jump into that second spot and, and get a playoff bid. And, and of course, Kendrick is still top dog in the league, and they proved it uh, when Lewis County traveled to Kendrick Friday night. Tigers won 82 to 12. So even if Lewis County is the second best team, which I think uh, still a pretty big gap between Kendrick and, and everybody else. Yeah. Uh, it's clearly Kendrick's show this season. You know, Deary is a bit in a little bit of a rebuild mode. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I thought Lewis County could maybe, I still assumed Kendrick would win, but I didn't see that coming. So they've got the athletes, they've got the talent, um, and they have in the past too. So uh, Kendrick, once again, finding ways to finding ways to be dominant, finding ways to win and come out on top. And uh, I, we could very well, once again, be seeing a, a Kendrick playoff run here. The other two teams that matched up, uh, Timberline and Deary, and Timberline ended up scoring the game-winning touchdown in an 18-12 to win with about three minutes to play in the game. Parker Brown hit Micah Nelson for a 78-yard back-breaking touchdown with about three minutes to go. And Timberline uh, representing Weipe well, an 18-12 to win over Deary, which means they are 1-0 in the White Pine League to start things off. And we talked about Timberline made the playoffs last year for the first time in a long time. They went 4-4. Four and four. Um, They've had some, some illness problems this year where they've had to cancel a, a game or two, but... Uh, maybe now the conversation is Timberline and Lewis County. Who gets that second spot? Right. Well, when Jason and I were there covering the Logos versus uh, Timberline game, it was clear that Timberline had talent and they had athletes. And if, if I'm remembering correctly, they had a couple of their better players missing from that game. So who <laughs> who knows? Maybe that, that game plays out a little bit differently. Logos probably still has the edge just because of the number of bodies that they had, but still uh, Timberline, they, I, I, they could very well be making a push for that second place spot. Uh, they have talented kids and they have the playoff experience from the year before and the coaching staff that got them there. So uh, for me, Timberline, I think I would probably give the edge uh, just uh, heading towards playoff time. And Timberline will play Lewis County in Weipe Friday, October 15th. So, yeah, we kind of have this opening weekend of uh, conference play, right? The four conference teams playing each other. And, well, there's only four teams. So now we're kind of back into non-conference play for a, for a week or two. And then we'll we'll finish the season with the rest of the conference matchups. Kind of an interesting way to do it. But um, 
that's kind of the rundown of the the football scene. Volleyball, I just want to mention real quick that uh, the the coaches' polls just came out for volleyball. And again, the 1A D1 coaches' poll, Troy, the number one team, Potlatch, the number two team, with Genesee and Prairie right there, you know, threatening to burst into the top five. Those are the top four teams in the White Pine League. That is going to be a fascinating district tournament in October. Absolutely. I mean, we've already seen Potlatch's ability to rack up wins. And then we've seen Troy's dominance uh, led by Morgan Blazard as kind of the, the spearhead to that attack and her athleticism. And then the rest of the players on that Troy team are just incredibly disciplined and know where to be, know where to fill in the gaps. Uh, Genesee, I think, could be a sleeper as somebody who's been around the program as their PA announcer before. Um, they have <clears throat> they have talent in Lucy Ranasat, uh, as well as a couple of others. So uh, for me, I, I wouldn't. And then Prairie, you can I always feel like you can never pr- count out prairie just by their tradition even in other sports um so for prairie uh and uh, that you like you said that top four is going to be very interesting to watch as the the weeks continue on a couple of assumptions you can make about prairie they're probably going to be good and there's probably a shears or a yulencott that's making a place (laughs) right (laughs) or a hasselstrom at some point we'll see (laughs) yes for sure so uh, and, and then I, I did want to give a shout out to, to Kendrick. They're ranked third in the 1AD2 coaches poll. Um, they were so good last year in girls basketball, getting all the way to the to the 1AD2 state title game. A lot of those girls play volleyball, including Aaron Morgan, who's a great all-around athlete. And then Orofino just missed out on the top five in, in the 2A ranks as well. I, th- I think Orofino is uh, the favorite to win that conference and, and represent its state. So a lot of exciting volleyball action uh, up north in District 2 as well. So. Yeah, we've got the beautiful scenery. We've got the great sports. And, uh, you know, don't you people down in Boise forget about us. We we bring a lot to the table, too. So (laughs) that's right. Don't don't sleep on the Palouse. That's for sure. Uh, No doubt about it. So, yeah, this Friday night, Garrison is going to be on the call for uh, Moscow at Lewiston football showdown kickoff seven o'clock. Friday night right here on idahosports.com live and free video coverage. That's going to be super exciting. So uh, we'll, we'll come on back next week and talk about all the football action again, probably going to be some more uh, video game scores from the white pine league. I'm sure. And right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> probably from Lewiston, uh, I, there's a lot of offense up North. That's for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. The defense has seemed to go by the wayside this season, at least, you know, it, I've, I've been a part of defensive grudge matches too, but um, none of that this year. So uh, offense full steam ahead. And I think that was a lot of frustration from last year, pent up from missing all their, all those games. So the kids just wanted to get out there and score some touchdowns. And we've seen that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Always scoring touchdowns here on the Palouse prep cast. Thanks for tuning in everybody. The Palouse prep cast brought to you by the Idaho division of public health for Garrison Hardy. I'm Brandon Bainey. We'll see you back here next time on IdahoSports.com.